Hi, it's Phil here. Don't worry, I've not taken over the show for my own ill-gotten gains. I'm just in a little pre-roll message, easy for me to say, uh, about the audio quality on today's episode. We had a few problems, but we persisted with it because the quality of the chat was so good. So I uh, hope you don't mind, but it might have the odd crackle and pop. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Codders. How are you doing, Dave? How are you doing, Phil? Doing all right, yeah. All yeah. Right. We're here again. Right. We have we have reconvened once more in our uh, ever other week bi-weekly sesh, which is good. <laughs> Easy for <laughs> you bi- to bi- say. Bi- a bi-weekly sesh. There you go. Uh, don't do not Google that. Whatever you do, don't <laughs> Google that. Stick it in Chat GPT. That'll give you a different answer. Yeah, won't it? Yes, it will be. Yeah, define a bi-weekly sesh. No. Let, let open AI do its work its magic. <laughs> Phil, yeah, it's oh, I like it. You've got a mic stand, which is pretty cool. I'd like proper, you're professional, you're looking like you, proper technical. No, I'm in a little temporary office at the minute, which is really great. Better than working from home and all the stuff that goes on alongside that. So I'm, I'm basically in a church of all places. And it's Vicar Nick's church. Any of our regular listeners will know Vicar Nick. And um, he's let me take some space in here, which is brilliant. Vicar Nick. Right. Although I had to dash, I had to dish, dash round everywhere this morning. There was a little toddler's group happening uh, next to my little office. So I had to go and find, run around finding somewhere else that would kind of be a bit more quiet. Very cute and everything, but not going not gonna to work mm, too well on a, on a yeah. recording. So hopefully there's nobody from the uh, from the police listening to this uh, sort of of talking cod that Phil often hangs around toddlers on a Friday morning. Are you uh, what are you doing? Are you doing a bit of like freelance work in the church there, like this, you know, blessings on a Friday? Oh no, you cheeky sod! Honestly, I'm, it's business. <laughs> well, it's all right for, for Vicar Nick to do it. Are you, yeah, are you like Vicar Nick's apprentice? Yeah, yeah. What, is, you is, is he mentoring you? People. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure they do a good job. It's taken though. two years at last. Anyway, we, we had great feedback about the last podcast. People were saying it was perfect, which was which was quite relevant. Um, seeing as it was on perfectionism, perfection, quite ish. quite like the feedback. Yeah, some got some great feedback. It's really good to touch base with you guys. But there's um, see what I did there, Dave. You, you kind I of did see what you did, mate. You know? Yeah, dad joke. Yeah. Bringing back Phil, I don't think it landed yeah, with yeah, yeah, you. Bringing yeah, back the I shitty dad that. joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, strike a chord with you. Yeah, yeah, there we yeah, go. There we yeah, go. Yeah, Phil, stop yeah, him. Cut yeah. him off. Yeah. Cut him off. So I did. Cut him off. Stop fretting. We've, okay, we've, let's we've, carry we've on, got shall a, we? We've got a guest joining us today who's a, an old friend of mine. And uh, anyone that um, listens to the podcast will know his music because the first sort of six notes of the podcast are from a track we recorded many years ago called Rubber Bear. And Tom. Chapman is the pl- is the guy playing bass on that, and Tom is also uh, his sort of day job, as it were, is uh, bass player with the Mighty New Order. Thank you, there, Bosh, Bosh. <laughs> yeah, how good is that? Someone's got to do doom, it. Doom, doom, doom. Doom, doom, doom. Nice. Those six bars for the for the Talking Cod podcast. That must be the the height of your success. I, I don't know what. Six bars you're talking about, but I'm sure I'm sure they are. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it's you know the one. Doom, elements. Doom, doom, doom. Elements. Okay. Doom, doom, yeah. doom, doom. <laughs> that one. 
Tom, what Phil probably didn't tell you is we've we've stolen some of your music. <laughs> well, it sounds like it. Yeah. I've got, I've got not, permission. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. Oh, shit. Look, I can feel a solicitor's letter being drafted even as we speak. <laughs> yeah. Cease and desist. Show me the royalties, boys. <laughs> yes. Yes. I know what you're talking about. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. Oh, right. so you got permission. Then. You rolling out those names of the of the bands, Phil, made me realise how terrible some of them were. So, um, yeah. Oh, who came up with me. those names? That's, that's... <laughs> not me. Awful. Awful. Anyway, I had other suggestions, but it wasn't that. Yeah. It sort of Rubber Bear always sort of felt like a bit gimpy. Well, I remember sort of going through months and months of trying to find the name, and I think Steve came up with that, and we thought, okay. A cell with that, and then I got an email from someone saying, "Have you ever <laughs> Google rubber bear? Let <laughs> me see what comes up." Bearded men in check shirts. Well, don't, don't, <laughs> don't. You might be, uh, yeah, shocked. Yeah. Oh, no. yeah. I'm going after now, yeah, guys. I'm, I'm going after. I'm I'm not, it's pretty bad. Don't. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, and then we were stuck with that. <laughs> I'm not doing it in a church anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. So how's it going, Tom? I'm all right, thank you very much. Yeah, got a bit of downtime and um, a bit of sort of work coming up in March. We're going away on tour, and yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Actually, it feels like uh, we're in the sort of thick of winter still, and um, I always like to get away. I like travelling, so yeah, I can't wait to get back on the road. Really. So yeah, nice man. So where are you when, going? Where you touring? So I'm going to the States in March. I'm doing a show with Bernard um, at the Carnegie Hall with Philip Glass every year. He has this charity wow. event for wow. Tibet House, it's called. And uh, the idea is he invites um, a panel of worldwide musicians. And they don't necessarily have to be rock musicians. They're from sort of all walks of life and different genres of music. And the idea is to collaborate with those musicians. So... It's the fourth time we've done it now, and uh, I love it. It's it's a great experience, and it's also it's good to hang out with sort of some of the musicians. The house band is Patty Smith's band, so it's always good to see those guys. And uh, we've done some great ones in the past. One of them was with Iggy Pop. That's how we met Iggy, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been fantastic. We did one with um, with uh, what's his name, Mike. You know the what's his name, Mike, the poet. What, the Man- Mancunian poet, what's he called? Oh, Mike oh, Gary. I shouldn't say Mike that. Gary. Mike Gary, yeah. Yeah, so we did one yes. with Mike Gary Mike and Joe Gary. Dunham. Yeah, because he wrote this uh, this poem for um, Anthony Wilson. And uh, I think the music was an adaptation of uh, Your Silent Face by The Order that Joe Dadell did. And uh, so wow. we did that in, in New York. with, uh, And it was great. And then uh, shortly after that, we'll be sort of starting a a tour in Texas and Louisiana and uh, we're finishing uh, South by Southwest the festival in Austin wow so yeah we're doing very a few cool. days very yeah. cool so I'm quite excited about that and then I've seen yeah yeah then I've saw saw the other day that um, New Order and Joy Division have been nominated into the ro- or shortlisted for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that's insane well, isn't it I think you know it's it was it was going to happen, and I think it's well deserved. Uh, uh, I think um, 
it'll be an interesting night if it happens. But um, yeah, uh, <laughs> I bet it is. So yeah, hell. no. Yeah. How do ch- how do times change? So the reason Tom and I sort of know each other is through music, and we must have met. 20, 23 years ago? I think it was like around, that, around 1999, oh, 2000. You were in a group called uh, Tribeca. Yes, I was. And then you were in a group called Tribeca because our old bass player um, yeah. was a better conga player than he was a bass player. <laughs> I, seem, so, I seem to remember he was in a relationship with the lead singer as well. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. And when that went pear shape, obviously we had, we had, we had to find uh, a replacement. Uh, but, you know, we replaced the singer and the bass player at the same time. And got into this really nice phase of the band as it was and then then we ended up sharing a flat so we we had some sort of nice crazy times in south manchester with lots of parties and stuff like that which is i know you know the 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 crazy thing was i think while we're in that flat i got to a point where i was thinking i really love music but i can't see myself ever getting a career in it and and almost coming up with my plan b by luck and I always remember like how determined you were, Tom. Like it was like totally different. It was like you were like, "Fuck this! I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna." Well, I was on a mission. I was on a mission for sure. I think I had people around me telling me that making it in the music industry was virtually impossible, which it is. But uh, I wasn't taking no for an answer. I'm not that kind of person. So it was okay. I'll show you. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep trying. I mean, luck is always involved in in succeeding in in my industry. I think you need an ounce of luck, but I think you can create your own luck, you know, by being out there. So I, I think that's what you were saying. So we you know, say it's that just a lot. Like, although I had a day job, I was still sort of going out at night to gigs and sort of and playing as well, and and it was tough. But it's, I think you have to do those things to to get a break in, in, in the music industry. I mean, it might not necessarily work for you, but that's, these are the sort of conditions you have to set yourself to sort of try and get there, really. So, And I'm glad that it worked out, you know. I bet you yeah, are. I, I moved from France as well to Manchester because I wanted to sort of make music. You know, I'm, I'm half French, half British, and I grew up in France. And, and I decided at the age of 20 that um, France was not for me sort of for... Well, let's say that the music didn't really appeal to me in France very much, but I, I liked it. Yeah, I was never a fan of. I, I was never a big fan of uh, Johnny Halliday, but um, no, I like <laughs> Manchester music. So I thought, well, I'll move to that to Manchester. It seems a good place to to start. And funny enough, it, it, when when I started making music in Manchester, you start meeting other people who've moved to Manchester as well for the same reason. Like our friend Frank, you know, he came from Germany because he he liked a certain ratio and uh, a new order, you know. So uh, yeah, so it was it was a uh, it's a good. Well, thing. that was it. Yeah, I was on a mission. Let's see. So you got German Frank and French Tom. That's right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he calls we, me we, mustard we, and I we, call him sausage. Very original, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's quality. <laughs>
Mustard and sausage, oh. eh? That's now you see. There's a band name. There's a band name. We should have thought of that Mustard one instead of rubber bear. <laughs> mustard and sausage. Hey, that's our solo project, Tom. That's a solo oh, project. Yeah. Come on, mustard and sausage. You heard it here first. Yeah, yeah. Nice. But I do remember when we used to sit and listen to records in the flat. It was kind of like when records we'd still existed. To all sorts yeah, of stuff. And yeah. It was yeah, shit, yeah, yeah. And it'd be like, I always remember thinking like Tom was like this massive Smiths fan and I was this massive New Order fan. <laughs> so, you know, it was just this kind of really crazy thing when I think we met up for a pint, well, 12 years ago or whatever, and you said, look, I've got something to tell you. I think Bernard's asked me to be in New Order. <laughs> and it's like, wow. You know, it really was like, just to ref- reflect and see that, you know, you'd come on, you'd sort of stuck with it, you'd made those sacrifices, like you said, and you'd got there. Yeah, yes. And then I don't think I realised at the time what it, it quite meant as well, because I'd been working with, uh, with Bernard Sumner and, and Phil Cunningham and Jake Evans in a band called Bad Lieutenant before. And that was kind of a sort of initiation, if you'd like to, playing in New Order, because we were playing a lot of uh, Bernard Sumner's sort of back catalogue, if you like, with, you know, songs from Electronics, some of the stuff he did with the uh, Chemical Brothers. But then, you know, when, when the transition happened to sort of play with New Order, I didn't quite understand what it meant, really, until we were booked to do a, a festival in, in South America, in Brazil, and we flew out there, and then we played in front of, 30,000 people and I thought well well I think uh this is now going to be very different for me I think my life's going to change as a musician you know it was a big step up you know and and I thought well to be able to experience that because you know before that I'd only played in clubs pretty much or theatres it was just uh it was a good feeling that I'd achieved something really as as a musician you know and sort of earned it in some way, you know, the transition, the, the journey there was difficult and there was a lot of sacrifices along the way, but it had been worth it, you know, it was great. It was good. And I'm still sort of here playing with them to this day and what a ride it's been, you know, it's been fantastic. So, yeah, yeah. When you did that gig in, in Brazil, how old were you then? Uh, I was like sort of late 30s because I got my break quite late in music I think I was about 35 when things started happening and I moved to Manchester when I was 20 so it was a a long sort of period of time sort of thinking is this going to happen and is it not and then I remember thinking around the time I got my break in music well that maybe it was time to to pack it in that it was not going to happen and and life is funny like that sometimes that the less you want things sometimes the, the more it happens for you, you know what I mean? Mm. Rather than chasing it, it comes to you, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, nice. and then like that was that, you like know. That. And did you consider quitting music? Yes, I did, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I was thinking, mm, I think, you know, I've tried and it's not really happened. And um, maybe it's time to uh, to think of something else. 
And I didn't know what that something else was going to be. I still don't, to be honest. <laughs> it's a good job you got your so bread. I, then, I, <laughs> I stick with music because uh, that's what I'm good at. So, uh, yeah. But it, it actually feels good to talk about it. I never, sort of, uh, I never really sort of think about it, you know, but talking about it with you guys makes me realise that, you know what? Yeah, I've done all right. It's good. It's a good yeah. journey. It was worth it. So. Tom, you mentioned sort of being on that stage in Brazil and, and, and realising bloody hell, life's changing here. Yes. How did that, like, manifest? How did, what you, you know what I mean? I mean, I suppose, what what changed for you at that point? Well, I think it's 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 the fact that you you realise that you may be, for one, you, you, you've got to a, a level of sort of playing an instrument, shall we say, that is, it's, it's, it's like being a, it's the equivalent. I can only sort of think of it being the equivalent of a Formula One driver. You know, you've made it to the sort of top circuit, and you you're playing with the with the the greats. You know, so it was just a, it was a really good good feeling, and also thinking, you know, well, it was worth it. It was worth it. It was all worth it. Mm. Is there anything beyond that? We often talk about what our definition of success is, and obviously before you know, joining New Order or maybe that gig in Brazil, that probably felt like a really major successful moment. Is there anything beyond that? Well, now? it's a really good question because I think people ask me that a lot, that, you know, how do you define success? And I, I, and I say to sort of younger artists that I meet, you know, that uh, don't be so hard on yourself with success. If you get played on the radio with your, with your band for the first time, that's some form of success. If you if you sort of do your show and ten people or twenty people come and see you, that's success. You know, don't be hard on yourself. Always gauge it. You know, there's different levels, but success is not the the top of the pyramid only, and then you're at the bottom. There are things in between where you you can sort of gauge success. So I think it's important to remember that and not be so hard on yourself and in what you achieve. Really, it's all about achievement and what 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 you feel sort of comfortable with. You know. Yeah. Dave, Phil, what's what's your definition of success? Well, I'm just I'm just picking up on some of the things that Tom's saying, which I which I totally sort of like uh, align with and just going back to the the initial bit around look and creating your own look and you create it because you're grafting and you're grafting your nuts off and you keep going, you're having those conversations and creating your putting yourself in situations where you give yourself the more opportunity of something to happen. And then totally agree with what you just said there, Tom, with regards to success. And I understand there's the focus on the big thing, the end goal. But if you probably focus on that all the time, you'll feel like you're never going going anywhere. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, if you've got a gig and 10 or 15 people turn up, awesome. That's been brilliant that week. And all the little increments of things that add up that take you on that journey. And I think, you know, if you also appreciate that, you know, think about the little things that all add up, then the journey really is as important as the end result. Because if you just focused on the end result all the time and got to the end, it's like, what's next? What's next? Mm. But if, you, if you're on that journey, it gives you, you're learning and you're adapting as well, aren't you? You know. That, that, that's my problem with a lot of these, uh, to go back to music, if, if I can, and that's my problem with a lot of these sort of TV programs where both kids go on it to sort of audition, to sort of 
to a, aspiration of, of, of being singers. That's wrong yeah. to me because I think the whole the whole idea and the whole sort of uh, meaning of, 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 of sort of eventually um, becoming successful musician is the journey that like you talked about. It's, it's being in the van with the guys doing small gigs in front of nobody and then you earn it. Music's about going out there and seeing what happens and programs like this seem to completely bypass the whole sort of journey um, movement uh, that you need to, to to get there and it's more focused on fame i think and that's 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 the wrong thing yeah i think that's pro- probably getting worse because of things like tiktok where like literally something can just like you don't even have to audition for the show you could probably just do some daft tune on on and, and it blows up on tiktok and all of a sudden you sort of have some fame or success but it isn't it isn't earned it isn't craft there's there's no no i'm not saying there's no skill there but you know it's a different journey isn't it it doesn't define you as as a writer and i and i always get really annoyed when people say to me like oh yeah those kids on the on these programs they're really talented and i'm saying to them well how do you define talent well they can sing so i said oh oh, so so it's pleasing to your ears so yes basically they have a skill and you think that's talent but i bet they can't write a song but would you sort of laugh at Ian Brown if he went on these shows or whatever, you know, because, you know, let's face it, he's, yeah. Ian Brown does his thing, but the guy can write a tune and a melody. Let's not forget that. He's talented, you know, he's got a talent. So that's important. I'd love to see Ian Brown on one of those shows. <laughs> and swagger. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it, isn't it? It's, you know, he's got, but again, even there, like they, the Stone Rose is like, Everyone thinks that they, you know, before 1988, 89, they, they were nothing. They, they'd spent years. They'd been years, grafting, yeah. Like, like been, probably six, seven years. Yeah. They'd been grafting a lot, yeah. You know, it took time. Yeah. And they went through different versions of what they were doing. They had an album out before the debut album, which was a bit rubbish, you know, and it took time to get them to where they were. They, they didn't, they weren't just granted fame, you know, it, it was, it was a proper journey. So, yeah, I do think that. I like that. So it must be really nice to get to the point where you're earning a good living out of the thing you love doing and getting recognition for what you do as well because you're in a prominent, like, you know, probably one of the biggest bands ever to come out of Manchester. Yeah. But I suppose the other aspects of that is that, like, it's not just turning up at shows and doing that. You're actually, you know, part of the songwriting team, aren't you? And part of, like, production of stuff. You know, it's not – that must be – incredible because we've moved we, we've worked on music together over the years and, and it's great it's always nice working with you but then to be working with these people that have got this insane track record there must be something that really pushes you on and, and you go you know what this this improves me as a musician it because does, i'm learning yeah. how these guys work and, I, and i'm also very lucky to work with with people who We've got to the stage in their career where they, they want to give back, you know. I'm really lucky to to work with uh, people that I find incredibly inspirational. And uh, and you understand why they get uh, they got there, you know. I, they, they have this, um, you know, without sort of going into detail, I think they, they have this sort of out-of-the-box way of thinking that's made them who they, who, who they are as artists, you know, and... And uh, to be surrounded by them uh, when you're working with them is just very, very uh, 
it's brilliant you know you you just sort of it's very inspirational you take it on board and i whenever we work together i always try and take a little bits of things that i've learned watching them i'm like a hawk in the studio watching them and i try to sort of take that for my own music that i write you know i think it's important so no but i mean that's that's what life is all about isn't it yeah as you get older you, you you're there to learn aren't you you just uh you, like a sort of a memory box we're trying to sort of take on as many informations as possible and as you get older yeah, you want nice, to sort of nice. get more knowledgeable so it's only natural you know but um and also share that like again that's something we talk about a lot on here i mean andy is by trade a, a mentor and coach you know like and that, that whole thing is about getting the most out of people sharing stuff with people yeah and and I, and I think that is something you do as you get older. You don't want you're not as selfish. You want to give back and help. You know others do what they do. Make make the best make the best out of what they are as as people. You know, like so often when I'm working with like creative companies, you know, just encouraging people, aren't you? you just to, to to get the best out of themselves. It's funny you you you, you mentioned that, Phil. I've, I've actually started teaching uh some sort of teenagers uh at a school in manchester because i felt that i'd, I'd reached a point where it, it it was time to give back i wanted to share my sort of experiences and knowledge with sort of younger people and maybe trying to sort of coach them a little bit and how to sort of maneuver in, in the in the music industry because no one helped me when i started i made all the mistakes that a lot of young musicians do because there's no guidance there's no method and there's no manual unfortunately so i like to be able to give back now i think it's it's important to do that like you say i think it's unfortunately i don't have the answers when when sort of when young people ask me how do you make it i say well it's there's no method it's through hard work and 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 creating your own luck but um I always think that it's the one who persevered that get there in the end. Yeah, and you probably got the answers when it's like about things that you wouldn't have done. You know, you know things you did that you wouldn't have done. That that I mean, that quite often is the gold dust, isn't it? When you, when you learn from other people's yeah, sort of yeah. failure or what have you, you know, like and, and if you're like candid enough to share that and say, well, I wouldn't do that again. You know what I mean, I'd, I'd avoid, I'd avoid working pe with people like that, and I wouldn't do yeah. that. And that's mm. that stuff's gold, isn't it? But sometimes you've also got to make those those mistakes yourself to realise that, to learn, if you know what I mean. Because sometimes it's fine someone telling you, but sometimes it doesn't go mm. in, and you have to experience it and live it and think, okay, well, I won't do that again. You know, I won't, I won't go there again. Yeah. That's a really good example and description of what. What a mentor is now the four of us are mentors in our own right dave we met because of joining a mentoring program i think i did some training with dave on a mentoring program phil's become a mentor on the same program and tom you're mentoring you know young younger people as well in in the, who want to get into the sector but i think you kind of you kind of nailed it there because we'll often get asked questions like how do you do this and how do you do that a, a good mentor for me doesn't tell somebody how to do stuff they just share with them what they've done as you say these are the mistakes I made, and these are the things that work for me. Does that help you? And I think for me, that's what a great mentor does. It doesn't tell somebody what to do. It's your journey, your definition of success, but I can share with you what works and, yes. you know, maybe accelerate that. Do you enjoy working with younger people? 
Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love their energy. You know, I think that's that's the thing that I, I think is is really uh, great to work with them. They're, they're full of energy. They're full of beans. They want to do things. They're creating. Their mind is like very sort of expanding with creation and the way they write because they're all writers. A lot of them, mm. and uh, and it's great to to listen to their stories and their music. You know, every week I ask them to play me sort of what they. They'd written, and uh, I just I love it. I, I just love sort of interacting with them. I think it's uh, it's really important, you know. Yeah. And do you learn from them as well? I do. Yeah, I do. I do, uh, especially in the sort of uh, the way they write music, because you know, after a certain time of sort of being a songwriter, you kind of sort of stuck in your ways a little bit, and it's always really refreshing to hear sort of new ways of sort of using technology or or arrangements and and i will compliment them as well i'll always sort of say well that's great you know or i've not heard this before this is really interesting you're on the you're doing the right thing you know yeah no it's great i love it i love it i think it's it's important to to be able to do that I think I asked the question of all of us, like you know, what your definition of success is, and I'm 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 sat here making notes as I always do through each show about what people said to you know how people answer certain questions. I'm already changing my opinion on what success actually is, you know, and a couple of things that have sprung out to me now is you know success is the journey that you're on, isn't necessarily what you've actually achieved. And I used to see success as quite a quite a black or white thing. You either achieve what you wanted to achieve or you don't achieve what you wanted to achieve. And what I'm kind of changing my opinion on now is it's success is also what you've learned from what mistakes you've made or what you've done right or what you've done wrong. And I think that's that's helping me understand a little bit more about what success is. The more people we ask questions like that, the more we can share them. This does feel like we sat around a around a pub now and the thing is missing now is that I just need a pint. But it's a bit early on a Friday morning for that. I know. <laughs> I've probably going going back on a on a detour into music while we're thinking about deeper things, but we can think think about deeper things again in a minute. But I guess, like Tom, you're you're always because I mean, it, when I met you, were, you were in about four different bands, and you're always sort of experimenting or developing new stuff with new people. And your current side group is a band called Sea Fever, isn't it? And, and, you will, and Phil from New Order was also in that band. Ewan Gono, I'll, I'll name that. Ewan Gono works with Johnny Marr and Beth Cassidy was in Section 25. There you go. A bit of name dropping. There you go. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> and it's because I was only talking to... He was in Rubber Pair. He was, yeah. Yeah, he was. <laughs> Live. Anyway, so I, I suppose the thing I'm sort of... You know, you've you've got the kind of the the bread and butter like gig with New Order. You're out touring, recording sometimes, but then with Sea Fever, it's like it feels like going back to basics in a lot of ways. About like, okay, well, yeah, yeah well, and that, that's the I'm day not, job. But I'm actually, totally fine with that. I don't even say I don't even see it as sort of New Order being my day job, and I'm doing it. I'm just a musician. Being a musician is sort of being able to embrace the highs and the lows, really. That's the well, I'm not saying sea fevers are low, but it's a different level. It's funny you mentioned that because we came back from America in October with Phil having played some big shows with the Pet Show Boys, you know, the Unity Tour that we did with New Order and the Pet Show Boys. 
And soon after when we got back, we were playing in a tiny little place in Cardiff. I mean, you know, it was it, it was a tiny venue with sea fever. And some bloke came up to us uh, at the end of the night and went, oh, you guys were playing in Madison Square Garden and now you're playing this tiny little <laughs> venue in Cardiff. Um, does it feel like, you know, but I think he was saying in a sort of a way that it, it, it was kind of pulling us down a little bit. And we were saying, well, we don't have a problem with that. First of all, a gig's a gig. And then two, that's what being a musician is all about. So I don't have an ego problem where I can't play in a little venue because it, I don't know, that's what being a musician is all about. You get out there and and it's a journey again, you know. So, and you build it up and, and it's fun, you know. So, yeah. I love I love that. If I can just ask another question, is again about everyone. It's an observation as well as much as anything. I was like, you're the first musician of, of actual proper musicians. I've, I've had mates who've been in bands before, but they weren't right good. They got a proper job after when they realised they needed to grow up and pay bills. But what I'm learning is there's um, there are parallels between what you do and almost everybody else. You know, whether that's in in business or somebody's got a job or or sport for that matter. And something which, which really kind of stands out is that the more experience you become is almost because of the different bands that you've worked in or the different people you've worked with, you know, at different levels. And I see this, you know, when people have different jobs and they change careers or they join a new team for the first time and they feel like a bit like a fish out of water, but within no time at all, learning stuff from the rest of the team. And I love that phrase that we're greater than the sum of our parts. And it really resonates with me a lot. Do you, do you feel that's the same within the music industry as well, that the more people you work with, the, the better you become? I think so. I think it, it's sort of really important uh, as a musician to work with other musicians. So, again, you can learn from them. You know, I think that's really important to sort of, like any other jobs in life, you know, um, the more interactions you have with other people, the more you learn. And for me personally... I love that. I just love working with with different people and and doing different projects and 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 get out there and and do as much as I can. It going back to sort of what we we were saying about that sort of playing small smaller shows and people not really understanding uh, why we do that. I think it's in life people naturally think that you you have to go up the ladder all the time in it and you're supposed to sort of go further yeah. and further then that's how they define success you know yeah. they don't understand that you you would go back to basics when you're at the top they, they, but it's music's not about that it's it, if it's in your blood you'll do anything for it you know i think that's that's yeah. important and and not let anything come in the way you know so what's the rolling stones drummer who died last year is it charlie watts is it charlie watts he was he was in a, a jazz band. He played like outside of the Rolling Stones. He yeah, played he in the jazz quartet. Yeah. You know, like yeah. lit Yeah. And that's like it's the same sort of thing. Like that and you know, it's kinda like that's that same thing of like musicians being musicians and not just doing the thing that they're just known for. It's just like, no, fuck it. I'm getting out. I'm gonna do something different that people might not know me for. And I'm gonna put as much passion into that as I would into what the perceived day job is because it's music and I've got this opportunity to do it, you know? So I think I good on you, mate, because it, it's just, I imagine it'd be quite easy to just do, you know, you know, a, a, a big gig kind of piece of work and then go, you know what? I don't have to do anything now. I'm just, I'm, I'll, I'll just tip up when we've got tours. I'll just do stuff in the recording studio and that's it. I'm all right with that. 
yeah. but actually to get out there and proactively be teaching, be working with another band of great people, doing great music. You know, that's 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 good. That's really good. I know. You know, but regardless of music, you know, I think a lot of people in life have that attitude that they they feel comfortable where they got to, and they wouldn't necessarily go back to sort of basics because they feel like they've. They've reached a point in their mm. lives where they, they, they wouldn't do that. And I think it's a shame. I think it's it's mm. healthy to to go back to sort of basics and mm. and rebuild something from scratch, you know. That's if you want to, of course. But um Yeah. I don't have that problem. It's I don't have that problem. It's not a problem really. I, I enjoy being a musician and being an mm. all rounder. It's important. So and on this note That <laughs> <laughs> no, it's got a bit quiet, hasn't it? I could see Andy sort of Tom, pondering a question. Just, just thinking, Tom, do you... Um, yeah, yeah. Well, do you, something you said before about teams and work and, you know, there's so many parallels between what you do and what we all do, I suppose, and what we've all experienced. Do you see being a musician as as work? You know, because you said oh, it's yeah. your job. So you, so you still... Does it feel like work? Well, some people would argue with, uh, with you, especially, you know, my wife probably. She just sort of... Uh, <laughs> yeah it's my work it's my work it's uh unconventional work but it's it's my work it's what i do it's it's uh yeah it's not like playing golf or tennis for a living you know it's 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 uh it's my passion it's in my blood it's um it's not a hobby you know it's more than that it's i leave and breathe music yeah. is what i do yeah i mean you know um it's not a normal life, but what is normal? I, I yeah. guess I don't have a nine to five job. That's that's my difference. But yeah, uh, I make a living from music. So I, yeah, it's my job. It pays my yeah. bills. That's yeah. interesting. I know it's difficult for some people to to get their head around that. I, I I understand that because it's not a it's not what people do mostly. You know, get up yeah. and go to work and come back, and it's not that kind of life. It's a different kind of life. It's freedom. I, th- I guess what uh, one of the great things I, I I have is freedom to to be creative. That's what I love about my life, and I guess that's success. That's what success brings to me: the freedom to create music. If I, I was I, if I was to sum it up, that's what it does. You know. Yeah, allows nice. me to be creative in a lot of ways yeah the freedom thing is just really interesting because me me dave and andy have all shared experiences in life where we've had a nine to five to some degree you know whether we're owning or running a company or part of part of a bigger organization we've all sort of been there and part of our thing over the last couple of years is going fuck that for a living literally fuck <laughs> yeah. that for a living like swearing in church property here but i feel terribly bad about that <laughs> but none of us now really have a nine to five you know we we kind of we do what we need to do we dabble because we're all freelance so we do a bit of this that we really like because it's nice and creative well we dabble on that cause it pays well but no one's watching the clock and no mm. one's going you know oh, hey it's nine o'clock why aren't you at the desk and you know hey why are you why are you clocking off at half past three or what have you and I think again, it's a it's a different thing for us, Tom. But I think it's similar in in the way you get to a point in life and you go, "I'm not someone else's bitch." Yeah, I I, I see similarities with being a freelancer. Yeah, and just having having just saying, you know, having the freedom, you know, me me and me and, me and Dave when we 
first started talking about the podcast, we were talking about work in general, like doing pieces of work for people. And we decided on this uh, thing called the no knobhead rule. If if anyone that we we were about to work with (laughs) seemed like a knobhead, sack it off because it's not worth it you know what i mean it's like it's not it's just not worth it so why am i and, still on you know, the we've all been there at... <laughs> that's you're you're like we call you an anom- anomaly thank you it's what it's you... weird in work <laughs> relationships so there's, there's always, it's, i think it's virtually impossible to always like your colleagues or Oh, it's very rare to be in a position where there's always, there's always somebody you, you never quite sort of, you don't get on with or, you know, that happens, you know. I think that's life. You can't please everyone, mm, can you? No, no. Going back to your no well, you knobhead get... rule. That... <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd lo- You've done some name dropping oh, already, Tom. Can you name drop some knobheads for us? <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't go there. <laughs> But I think that's it, you know. I mean, what what's amazing is just that that journey, really, of, of determination, just being totally rock solid on, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to experiment, be in bands, turn up, be there. You know, I, always been, I remember being amazed when you wanted to sort of join our band back in the day because it was like, well, you're already doing all these other things. You're already like, I don't know how you've got the, the energy to learn a, another bunch of tongues and to, you know, be part of that writing kind of thing. It's like, you know, I, I couldn't have I done it. I did say to you, the guys on Bongo here. have to go though. <laughs> you did. <laughs> oh, Bongo, so dear in me. Yeah, <laughs> bloody hell. Yeah, that guy's got to go. He's got to go. <laughs> So what's next for you, Tom? What's what's I know obviously in the short term it's kind of like back out on tour and you know the what what sounds like a real chore of going to Carnegie Hall and 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 playing with Philip Glass. That sounds that sounds terrible. But what next? You more more stuff with Sea Fever, gigs with Sea Fever? Yeah, it's just sort of uh, more shows with Sea Fevers playing in Manchester on the 29th of April. I'll just do oh. my plug just in case, you know, <laughs> soup in Manchester. So we're doing that. And then yep. we're doing a few festivals all through the summer, which will be good. And uh, writing Sea Fever's second album, really. So um, that's where we're up to, really. Love that. Um, Dave Phil, should we go and watch? And doing a bit more teaching as well. So Yeah, I'll know, be up for that. That sounds like a good night out. Yeah, we'll be on for that, Tom. Down. We'll be, we'll be, be in- yeah, yeah, lots of yeah. that. Yeah, we can carry on this conversation with a drink. Yeah. in my dressing room. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, how are you going to be fully clothed, Tom? <laughs> oh, in- inside story going on there. <laughs> no, no, no. Just, just, just you know, dressing rooms. I, I'm just thinking. <laughs> yeah, let's not go there because it's not like that, is it? Let's- <laughs> I love that. Awesome. So I'm I'm glad you did the plug because that's that's I was I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, I was I was going to ask where you know where can people come and watch you? Well, you know how do we, how do we listen to you, etc. Become proper groupies and stuff like that. In terms of listening to CV for the first album is out on uh, all good music stores as well, isn't it? To stream. Yes. Yes. Right. Doing that yeah. for sure. Dave, I want, I want to ask you a question because you, you, you're really good at summarising stuff and I've been making some notes throughout this and I must admit, what have, you, uh, what have you taken from this conversation with Tom? How's Tom mentored you in the last hour? 
It's been cool, man. It's been really, really, really <laughs> cool. Love it. Proper love it. Proper love it. I'm transferring know. the cash as we speak, Dave. Thank you very much. <laughs> awesome, mate. Awesome. Awesome. Tom, it's the Cayman Bank account. The one the, the account in the Cayman Islands. I'll meet you, I'll meet you out there for a beer when we go and draw it out out of the ATM. <laughs> this show is being sponsored by Cayman Bank International. <laughs> for me, and we we do talk about this quite a bit as well, about how it's all about you know the incremental items all the little things that add up over time and are not necessarily for yeah you've got to have an idea what that end goal and the goal is but it's the journey for me it's the journey because mm-hmm. if that's where the enjoyment comes in you know that's where and that's where where you're living your life aren't you and if you're doing something that's your craft and you really enjoy and that happens to be part of your job i think that i think that's unbelievable but yeah. it's all about the little things that come along the way. Otherwise, you're just focusing on that end, end goal, which whatever that success, success is. And everything needs to be really, really linear. We're going from A to Z. But if you're celebrating the little bits that go along the way, all the little successes, you learn and you can adapt and you can go left and right and backwards a bit if you need to. But you do, you know, it, it's... And from what Tom said, you know, back in the day, Tom, what you're saying is, what I'm getting from it is, you knew you had to do it. You knew you had to do it. It was your passion, you know, and you just, and inbuilt in your DNA was just keep going. You know, we, Jindy sent out that email this week and I replied to you guys about mm. if there is something in your age now, what could you go back and tell your teenage self? And I, I'm like, just keep going. And that's what I'm getting from you, Tom. Just keep mm. going. Just keep going. Yeah. I love that. I think what I'd I'd want to add to that, everything you've just said there I've written down and absolutely spot on. But I think what's really, really worked for me is that when we're talking about success because it's different for everybody else is achieving your level of success gives you the freedom to do what you love. And I I love that. That's brilliant, that, because it's a personal thing, isn't it? You know, so if you want to, you know, having that success allows you to create music or record music, et cetera. And fantastic. If it means that you can go traveling or go running or do more cooking or spend time with your family and your friends, that's you know that that's a very personal thing as well. So I love that de- definition of success as well. What about you, Phil? How would you define it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That I mean, it, the, the sort of the the success comes from achieving what you feel you're best able to give to the world. You know, like I, I, I will just say. There was a moment when I realized just how talented Tom was because I always just thought he was a great bass player, right? We'd been out somewhere in Manchester and we were back back at someone's house and there was a piano there. There was Tom, our friend Pete and our friend Helen. And we'd been out, right? So this is like, you know, early in the morning and Tom, Pete and Helen, Tom's on the piano Pete, I think, was playing guitar. Elaine was singing. And they did the song Something by uh, the Beatles. And I think it was like one of the best musical experiences. Oh, I thought you were going to say Elton John, thank God. <laughs> I'm still standing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's all right. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Brilliant. But no, it was like, that's when I realised, without blowing smoke up his arse, you know, how talented Tom was. Because like I say, until that point, I just thought he was a really good bass player. I didn't know he could just open a piano up and make make that sing <laughs> in the same way. 
So, what are you saying, Phil? Base players are like the lowest ranked. No, no, oh really? gosh, no, no. Well, some, <laughs> some of them are well, like, like guitarists. I mean, in, I can only play four strings. Well, well, yeah, yeah. some yeah. some ba- right. some bass players can also play congas. So you know, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> that's true but that self-belief yeah. i think that's true that self-belief was like if he'd have been not a great bass player and a shit conga player you know that that self-belief would have been very misguided but like i guess knowing himself and having the confidence in himself and the self-belief and the tenacity to get out there is like why tom became successful it was own it was only ever a matter of time, really, to be honest. Oh, well, thank you, Phil. Very kind of you to say. It worked out. I got lucky. <laughs> I got you. lucky. That's you. Uh, You've already said you create your own mate. luck. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I got yeah, lucky. You, yeah. Well, it's it's been brilliant to have you on. Phil, I just want to say thanks for bringing on another great quality guest. You've raised the bar even further. I don't know how we're going to increase that any further dave you and i need to we need to raise our game a little bit Be- before we let you go tom really appreciate you, you coming on you, you're as you're as down to earth as any guest we've had on the show and i didn't really know what to expect so i really appreciate you spending this time because i know you're super busy have you enjoyed your time on the podcast yeah i've loved it it's been really good it was sold to me as a chat uh, the equivalent of a chat in the pub and it was it was great very relaxing and i enjoyed it it was great. It was great to meet you fellas My as well. God. Yeah. So no, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Brilliant stuff. Well, thank you very much for joining us. King Cod, do you want to talk us out of the show? Yes, I will talk us out, Andy. Uh, been class. Absolutely class. Getting better and better every week. Every week we do this. Uh, as usual, guys, for the listener or the listeners now in multiple countries, which is, which is awesome. If you like what you hear, give us a like. Give us a comment, give us a share, give us a subscribe. And if you want to get in touch, if you want to come on the show or you want to add, you know, suggest any topics or anybody that we should be talking to, drop us an email at talkingpod.com. Bosh. Super bosh. I think Tom now, Tom, Tom's now got to pick his bass up and play us out. Get the guitar. I thought you were going to do it then. (laughs) Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed us talking COD, please give us a rating, leave us a review in your podcast app and subscribe now. Quick shout out to the guys at DapDip Productions, the folks pushing the buttons behind the scenes. Check them out at dapdip.co.uk. And thanks to Rubber Bear for our theme tune elements. Find the band on Spotify and SoundCloud. We'll see you next time for more Talking Code.